Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Fantastic. All right, are we all there? 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. It says, David therefore departed. And the reason it says therefore, every time you see a therefore, you've got to wonder why it's therefore. And the therefore is there because Saul is trying to kill him. Because they've, the, the girls have just sung, David has slain, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. When, while I was in Sydney, um, that was in my quiet time, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, the young girls weren't singing a song to threaten Saul, they were actually singing a prophetic song. Because the Bible says one sets flight to a thousand, to 10,000, that they were singing a prophetic song to tell Saul that because he's raised up a David, now not only is his influence going to be over thousands, but his influence is going to be over tens of thousands. But he would rather be a king over a thousand. There are a lot of very, very small churches because they'd rather be the king over 100 people or 50 people, 70 people than a prince in a church of thousands of people. And so, so there's, this, there's this brokenness in the human ego that craves that I am the center of attention, that, you know, and it has to get healed. You've you got to get that healed, otherwise you become a very, very horrible leader. You become a very manipulative leader, a controlling leader when it's all about you. And unfortunately, all of us are born into a broken world, and so all of us have got our dysfunctions. So it says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Now I love this, verse 2. This is where I want to land. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt... And everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. He became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. I just love that. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented. The, the, the three qualities of leadership. <laughs> human distress. Are you in debt? Are you in discontentment? You qualify. Have we got a plan for you? But the truth is, the truth is, when I first read that, I thought, oh, how crazy is that? You know, no one's going to put that on their, their resume. Or, but, the, but the truth is, if a leader arrives fully formed, somebody else has formed them which means someone else's spirit is in them, which means their heart and their loyalty is tied to somebody else. So you're going to find that the, the people that come into your areas, into your departments, are going to be people that have either one, two, or maybe all three of these characteristics. I loved Mike Finn on Sunday, Dr. Matt, when uh, he got up and he was leading, I can't remember which meeting, was it the 5 p.m. I was up there? At 5 p.m. I was up there. And uh, he just said, you know, the number one criticism they get, you know, as being kind of heavily involved in C3 is, oh, that church always talks about money. And he said, it's so funny because 90% of the people that we meet that start coming to our church have massive money problems. So on one hand, you got 90% of people that are struggling with their money. And then people are like, I wish you guys wouldn't talk about money. It's like, well, we need to talk about the things that people are struggling with. 
how can we help them? But it's in the, the devil just a cheeky rascal. He knows he's jacking people up financially. He doesn't want the church to have the answers, so he puts intimidation and all kinds of fear and smackdown to make us timid, so we back off, and so we're not ministering into the very areas where people are, where people are hurting. So I, I love, just if, if you can, skip over with me to... Um, to First Chronicles chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. What happens to these, these, uh, these mighty men? It says in First Chronicles 11 verse 10. 1 Chronicles 11 verse 10. It says, Now these were the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had. Jashabim the Hachmanite, the first of the Scotsmen. He was the chief of the captains. He had lifted up his spear against 300 men that he killed in one time. One great battle. After him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Paz Damim, which means field of blood. Now there the Philistines were gathered for battle and there was a piece of ground full of barley. The Amplified says lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines, but they stationed themselves in the middle of that field. The three mighty men stationed themselves in the middle of that field, led by Eliezer, and they defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Verse 15, now three of the chief 30 went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam and the army of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. The valley of Rephaim is the valley of giants. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. He said, far be it from me, O oh my God, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? For at the risk of their lives, they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Then it goes on about Abishai, the brother of Joab, who was chief of another three, lifted up his spear against 300 men, killed them. Uh, then uh, Benaiah is one of my favorite guys. You go down to verse 22. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, fell into a pit on a snowy day, only to find that there was a lion in the pit. As he hit the bottom of the pit, these two yellow eyes come out of the dark and this, grrr, this deep growl and he knows it's either kill or be killed and he kills a lion in a pit on a snowy day. The Bible says that he once fought a, uh, an Egyptian who was nine feet tall and there was no spear in Benaiah's hand but with his with his shepherd staff he wrested the spear from the, the the giant and killed the giant Egyptian with his own spear so these are these are warriors these are mighty men but I love this story because we read the one Chronicles 11 you know about these flipping champions and it goes on to say how these men could hurl the stone and they could throw spears with the right hand and with the left and yet just back up a few chapters these 
these were guys who were in debt, these guys were discontented, and these guys were in distress when they came to David at the cave of Adullam. If you said to me, you know, uh, what's kind of like the vision or the mission statement of C3 San Diego, really, it's to be a cave of Adullam. It's to be a cave of Adullam where people come into the bathrooms with a knife to cut themselves, find they get demons cast out on one night, find they get reconciliation the next day, and then end up at a prayer meeting the next day, learning how to fight, learning how to use weapons correctly. It's a house of transformation, like Pastor Tom Foster was saying, that, that it's all about the transformation of lives. It's about the transformation of lives. So, so can we can we just you know today get good with the fact that people aren't going to come in ready to write? In fact, here's the truth: leaders never arrive fully formed. Leaders, in fact, if they arrive fully formed, watch out. If you have a leader that arrives fully formed you, and you put them in a position, they'll be able to do that for a season, but it's all going to turn to custard because somebody fully formed them. Somebody else fully formed them. They're not going to be loyal to you. And you've got to ask the question, why are they here in the early part of our church? We had so many people join because, uh, you know, they, they thought there was opportunity here because the church was small, you know, for them and their ministry. And they had this credential and they were a pastor over here and they were a prophet over here and they were this and they all had their fancy business cards. And, you know, one guy wanted to be my associate pastor. He said, you need an associate and I can be your associate and, and, uh, and everything else. But I just, every time I just felt the Holy Ghost caution me because if, if they're all that good, how come ain't nobody else employed them? How come you ain't still working for that church? If, if you were a pastor there all these years and your ministry was so fruitful, then how come you ain't still there? You know, what happened that all of a sudden now you're unemployed? How, how come all of a sudden nobody wants your fruit no more? And so the sad thing about our culture is we employ people on gifting. We employ employ people on uh, accomplishment as far as education. Well, this person's got a master's or this person's got a degree in. But Jesus says you judge every tree by its fruit. He didn't say you judge every tree by its trunk. He didn't even say you judge every tree by its root system. Well, they got a pretty impressive root system, Pastor. You know, they were at Harvard and Yale and Oxford, and, you know, their great-grandfather was once an evangelist. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. And so we've got, to be, we've got to be wise when we're building our teams, look for fruit, look for fruit. That's why when somebody joins, they may have the most colorful and the most amazing resume. And they may be all that in a bag of chips. But at the end of the day, before we should put them into any kind of leadership or any kind of influence or any kind of position, let's examine the fruit. Let's examine the fruit. Does that make sense? So as we build teams, and it's so important to build teams because I love this. It says that they strengthened themselves with David. They strengthened themselves with David. See, David had a prophetic word that he was going to be the king of Israel. He knew that God is not a man that he should lie, even though he was in a cave, even though he was in a stronghold called Adullam, even though he was in this place, he knew that God's word would come to pass, that God is not a man that he should lie. So David began to behave as a king while he was in a cave. I think the test of character is, can you behave like you're sitting on the throne while you're hiding in a cave? Can you behave like your destination while you're still on your journey? 
There are a lot of people, they never, they never finish their journey because they're behaving like their journey rather than behaving like their destiny. David began to behave like a king. A king assembles an army because the army not only protects the kingdom, but the army advances the kingdom. The, David doesn't send all these people away. Now, here's the thing. I love David because he doesn't complain. Because David is, is gathering people who are in distress, who are discontent and in debt. And it's interesting because the law of attraction tries to tell us, you know, the, the worldly one, if you ask the universe whatever you want, the universe will give it to you, ignoring your character issues, which is not biblical. The Bible actually teaches there is a law of attraction, and the law of attraction is that you and I attract to us not what we want, but who we are. Amen. That we attract to us not what we want, but who we are. Therefore, I have to go to work on me. If I want to reap a different harvest, I've got to sow a different seed. If I want to reap a different harvest to what I'm currently reaping, then I have to sow a different seed. And so David right now is discontent because he's had this prophetic word and then he ministered to Saul. He, he would play the harp and deliver Saul. He lived in the palace. He, he was employed by Saul. Then he kills Goliath. Like he solved Saul's biggest problem. He's done nothing wrong. And now Saul's got his assassins after him, trying to hunt him. And he's kind of chased like a wild animal out of the kingdom, being hunted by the, all the, the, the assassins throughout the countryside. And so he's discontent. He's in debt and he's in distress. He's fighting for his life. And so the very thing that he is, he's attracting to him. But he realizes all I got to do is change. Here's the truth. It's very, very difficult to change other people. I find that every time I want to change someone else, God actually holds the mirror up and says, the greatest way for you to change those around you is for you to change yourself. So David immediately, and that's what we read in the Psalms, David begins to pour his heart out before the Lord. He begins to become transparent before the Lord. He probably would have saw the cave of Adullam as survival. He probably would have saw the cave of Adullam as, come on, man, you know, God probably missed this. This was probably not in God's you know, reckoning. God was probably distracted. But I guarantee you, as he looks back, he would have looked back on the cave of Adullam and realized it was all part of God's forging plan. That in the cave of Adullam, it was a cave where David was able to reflect, where David was able to escape all the public eye and all the pressure, where David could work on himself, where David could work on his issues, where he could forgive Saul, where he could go through looking at his own character, his own nature, understanding one day I'm going to be the king of Israel. What kind of king am I going to be? Well, I'm certainly not going to be a king like Saul who chases out his greatest warriors. All I did was I killed Goliath and now he's threatened because the, the young women were prophetically singing. He's, you know what? I'm going to be a different king. I'm going to be the kind of king where my men are going to be elevated. Man, my men are going to be raised up. In fact, I'm going to champion men. So today we read one 
1 Chronicles 11, we have a 1 Chronicles 11 because the King David sat in a, in a cave reflecting before he was king. He was behaving like a king, but he was determining what kind of king, what kind of leader he was going to be. And he made a decision, I'm going to be a leader that develops people. I'm going to be a leader that raises up people. I'm going to be a leader that champions people. I'm going to be a leader that celebrates warriors. And I'm going to celebrate their accomplishments and celebrate their victories. And I'm, I'm going to be a, that kind of leader. I'm not going to be a leader that chases out those because they killed somebody. They did greater exploits than me. No, no. In, it, you know, David killed Goliath. And the Bible says that Goliath had four brothers, four siblings, and all four of them came out for battle against David, and they were all killed by one of David's mighty men. All four were killed by one of David's mighty men. In fact, in one of them, I think the second one, Ishbi Benob, when he saw David, and David was weary in the battle, and he sat down, the Bible says that Ishbi Benob, when he saw that David was weary, he stopped fighting all the other people, and he went after David, seeing that David was weary from battle, and thought that he could snuff out the lamp of Israel. And so he went, and luckily one of, I think it was Jashabim, one of the, uh, one of the uh, mighty men, came to David's rescue, blocked the the, the, the blow and then slew the giant and then they said to David we don't want you to come into battle with us anymore lest the, the lamp of Israel gets snuffed out no longer can you come into battle with us but he saved David's life on that day and yet what was amazing was after all five giants were defeated the Bible says and all five giants were defeated at the hand of David yet hang on I just read that David killed Goliath. The other four were killed by David's mighty men. But God ascribes it to David. God puts it on David's list because had David not developed these powerhouse leaders. So because, God ra because David raised up these leaders, God says, it's your victory because you, you raise them. You release them. You develop them. You champion them. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. The people who come in feeling like they're disqualified. I guarantee you those 400. And you know what's interesting? You dig a little bit deeper. Those 400 men that came to David were all from the tribe of Benjamin. They were all from Saul's tribe. They were Saul's brethren. And Saul had no place in his kingdom. Perfection only. I'm looking at resumes before I hire. You're in debt. You got too much debt. You're discontent. You're in distress. Yeah, I, got, I ain't got no room for you. This is a perfectionism culture. And if you ain't perfect, fake it till you make it. If you don't have perfection, then put on the facade of greetings and highly favored. Greetings and greetings and salutations, blessings and highly favored, Pastor. You know, or, or we go through the motions, we wear the facade. Let's never be the facade church. Let's never be the church. Let's not be the soul culture. The soul culture where it's it's all about the fake till you make, the facade, the put on the ex you you've got to be perfect to be part of this team. In fact, I honestly believe that discipleship begins at your point of weakness, not at your places of strength. True discipleship begins at your point of weakness, not at your place of strength. Of all the disciples, Jesus has 12 disciples. Of all the disciples that Jesus puts in charge of the church when he leaves, it's Simon Peter. Nobody made more mistakes than Peter. 
I mean, why not Bartholomew? Bartholomew is blemish-free. She's like, yeah, not only is he blemish-free, he's so vanilla and beige and neutral, he ain't done anything. I'm not leaving the church to him. And then even Simon Peter's like, dude, what about John? He never left you. He had his head on you. He just loves you. And she's like, man, I love John. And hey, what is it that if I want him to remain till I return? But you feed my sheep. You tend my sheep. You feed my lambs. I'm putting you in charge because I need someone who's willing to hack a guy's ear off in the garden. I'm willing. Oh, I need a guy who's like, Lord, this is good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. I, I don't need three tabernacles, but I just love the fact that you suggested it. I love the fact that not only did you suggest it, but you're willing to do it. I need somebody who's ready to go, who's ready to build. So let's build something. Oh, we can build three tabernacles, one for you. Like, I just need someone who's, I need somebody when I say, you know, come out of the boat, they get out of the boat and be begin to walk on water even though you sank Pete you're the only guy that got out of the boat I need somebody that when I say launch out of the deep let down your nets for a catch that you do when you see the miraculous catch you realize this can only be God and then the first thing you say is Lord depart from me I am a sinful man Jesus says at that moment Pete I knew you were going to be a powerhouse disciple because discipleship begins at the point of weakness at the point of you being vulnerable at the point of you confessing depart from me Lord Lord, I am a sinful man. Can I just tell you, the level of transparency is the level of your transformation. If you, if you withhold being transparent, you withhold God from being able to transform you. I honestly believe that the level of our trans, transparency. Transparency is not a nice thing. Transparency means to be able to see through it. We don't, we, you know, we're still Adam and Eve. We're still high, covering ourselves with fig, fig leaves. Only we've changed the fig leaves, performance. We've, we, we, we've mastered how to cover ourselves, but transparency. Now, that doesn't mean you're transparent to everybody. You know, the people that come out and you've never met them before and they tell you, I'm really struggling with sexual sin. Okay. And right now I'm struggling with thoughts towards you. <laughs> Okay, a little too much information there. And uh, last night I had a drink. Okay, just stop with the, you know. It's like, you know, those people, I don't even know your name. And uh, that's, that's too transparent. You see those people on the altar call all the time. It's just, okay, the concept is correct, but Satan is displaced and misplaced where that is. But, but every single one of us, every single one of us need to, need to have somebody that we're transparent with. But watch this. I honestly believe that the, the testing of God, the testing of God for leadership development is He will show you things about other people to see whether you can keep confidences. Keep confidences. You know, uh, you know even, even in my world, there's been a few moments where I've realized, oh, sugar, I'm in a God test right now where I'm with, uh, you know, a particular ministry man of God. And, uh, and then I see something. And I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't see that. And now I see the Holy Spirit. Wow. And then I guarantee within the next week or two, there's a moment where that gossip is sitting on my tongue that little information and that person's name comes up by someone who's kind of questioning or critical or whatever and oh god I just, oh, I, oh. 
Oh, I could just, and it would elevate, it would make me, I would be, I would, I could use them as leverage to this things I know I'm privy to. I saw something and I just see God watching saying, everything in you wants to speak it forth. What you going to do, son? Because the Bible says a whisperer separates the best of friends. The Bible says someone who is of an unfaithful spirit repeats a matter, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. And God is like, I'm looking to see whether you're faithful or unfaithful because God elevates faithfulness, but he always demotes unfaithfulness. And there's always these little tests. What can you carry? What can I show you about someone's weaknesses, someone's vulnerabilities? One of the most powerful stories is, is Noah. Noah gets drunk, has a vineyard and gets drunk. And some people say, well, you know, the, the, the climate changed after the flood and, you know, the, the canopy that was around the earth was no longer there. And so, you know, the oxidation process happened so much more rapidly. It was accelerated. And so, you know, when he built the, when he, you know, made wine, it was previously it was grape juice, but now it had fermentation aspects to it. And, and so Noah became drunk. It wasn't, you know, whatever. All I know is the guy is stuck on a freaking boat saving the world with animals that want to kill each other for 365 days. If he wants to have one or two glasses of wine too many, I ain't throwing a stone at him, lest that one day when I'm a little bit stressed and I have one or two glasses of wine too many, I don't want to come under judgment because I judge Noah. The Bible doesn't even judge Noah for his drunkenness, but the Bible does judge him for seeing his father's weakness, seeing his father's nakedness, seeing him fa his father uncovered in his drunkenness, and he comes and he tells the brothers, God, come and check this out, Dad, look at him, revealing Dad's weakness. And the Bible says that Shem and Japheth refused to look on their father's weakness, refused to look on their father's nakedness, but picked up a sheet and walked in backwards and covered their father. When Noah heard what had happened, he couldn't curse Ham. He couldn't because God had already blessed Ham when they come out of the ark. God blessed them. So he says, cursed be Canaan. And a curse fell on Canaan. Obviously, Canaan is where the Canaanites who would ultimately, you know, give over. But, but how sad that Shem and Japheth became elevated but the descendants of Ham were demotivated in that moment because of faithfulness versus unfaithfulness. And I honestly believe that in your life and in your development, in your caring of people, that God wants to entrust to you people. We think God wants to entrust to us duty. We think that God wants to entrust to us position or profile or responsibility in the sense of, you know, uh, I look after the cafe or I look after the parking team or I look after this service or I look after the sound and the lighting. But you need to understand God's greatest commodity has never changed. It has always been people. God's greatest passion has always been people. God's greatest love and affection. Jesus didn't die for a church building or a church structure or an organization. Jesus died for people. He died for people. He died for you and he died for me. And so God is always looking.
Can I trust you with people? What kind of a person are you? And you'll find that if there's insecurities, it's very easy to go to, to being someone who gossips and being someone who whispers and being somebody who backbites and being somebody who uncovers and being somebody who fault finds and being somebody who points out. But let's never be those kind of people. Let's never be those kind of people. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to short circuit my life. I preached a message a few weeks ago called the 1140 principle. The 1140 principle, and basically, the, in a nutshell, I think I only preached it at one campus, but the 1140 principle goes like this, that it was an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land. 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land, yet 40 years later, not 40 days, not 40 weeks, 40 years later, those same Israelites had not entered. It had nothing to do with God being lost, God not having a compass, God running out of power. It had everything to do with the people. It was the people that kept themselves going around in circles because they refused to lose the language of Egypt, which was whining and complaining because there's a language that is a next level language, Pastor Samuel Duth. There's a next level language that takes us into our next level and uh, gossip and slander and backbiting. And so let's make a decision today that, that we are going to, number one, work on ourselves, but number two, be someone that the Lord can trust with people. The greatest thing that God can compliment you with is people when he puts people into your lives and they're going to come to you in debt, in debt despair or in distress and discontented and your job is to use what David did use the kingdom of God use the word of God use the spirit of God use the principles of the word of God this stuff works how do I know because I know me I know the ragamuffin that was saved at 18 years of age and the person I am today I can't take any credit I didn't walk across hot coals at a Tony Robbins conference or seminar it wasn't because I'm just so motivationally you know it was because of Jesus Christ I'm telling you that when when you are born again, the Bible says you are born again from imperishable, from incorruptible seed. And the Bible teaches us that you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. But the question is that the Spirit of God, He'll, he'll never force Himself on you. You have to yield to Him. You've got to yield to the Holy Ghost. Even though you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, I found that I need to, I need to add to the Holy Ghost the Word of God. Did you know that? Genesis 1 verse 2 says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Some translations say was moving backwards and forwards, moving. He's never static, he's dynamic. He's moving over the face of the waters. Why is he moving over the face of the waters? Because the Spirit of God is waiting upon the Lord. Because God never asks you to do something he won't do. And the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So the Holy Spirit is modeling for us what he wants us to do he wants us to wait upon the lord so the spirit of god is hovering over the face of the waters what's he waiting for a word from the father a word from the father and as soon as god said let there be light holy says yes sir at thy command and then light was 
And you'll find the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, but He is energized. He, he is resourced. He is equipped. When you begin to put the Word of God in, when you begin to respond to the Word of God, when you begin to, to ingest the Word of God, when you begin to sow the Word of God, as soon as you put the Word of God in, the Holy Spirit now has something to empower. He has something to... He, he, he's not empowering the words of men. He's not empowering the philosophies of Karl Marx or Joseph Stalin, or, but He is dedicated to His heavenly Father. He is dedicated. The Father, the Spirit, and Jesus, the three of them are one, and they work in unity. And the Holy Spirit is constantly waiting for whatever the Father's will is. Whatever the Father speaks, the Holy Spirit wants to put that in. That's why the devil do anything and everything to keep you out of the Word of God, to keep you away from the Word of God. Because he knows that the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, he's just waiting for activation. He's waiting for a word. He's waiting for a word. That's why the greatest thing you can bring to a hospital room, where there's someone on life support or near death or terminal, is the Holy Ghost and a word from God. If you got those two, get ready. Get, it's like a tinderbox. Just throw that match on. That thing is ready to explode. That's why we need to be a Holy Ghost church and we need to be a word church. We need to be a Holy Ghost church and a word church. But on the inside of you is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost wants to make you holy. He wants to make you, and the word holy means totally unique, completely separate, unlike anybody else. That's what the word holy is. And, and you'll find that when you add the word of God, now the Holy Spirit has a direction to go. He has something to empower. He has something to quicken on the inside of your life. So David is at the cave of Adullam and he strengthened himself. We read in the Psalms how David would just pour over the word of God, how he delighted in the statutes and the commands. He says, your statutes and your commands, they are my delight. David loved the word of God. He fed himself on the word of God. Then when these men came who were in debt, who were in distress, who were in discontentment, all David had to give them was what God was giving him. And he says, guys, all I know is God is good. And he began to share with them the word of God. He began to get them into the word of God. And all of a sudden, these guys found that from discontent, contentment came. See, it says that they strengthened themselves with David in his kingdom. So they saw David getting stronger in the word of God. They saw David strengthening himself. Remember, remember when they came back from the battle where the, uh, the Amalekites came and burnt the, their houses down at Ziklag and took their sons and daughters captive? And these same men, now that was too much for them. They lost their wives and their kids in a battle and they felt it was David's fault. And so the mighty men spoke of stoning David. And the Bible says David went and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then he took the ephod, which belongs to the priest, and he put the ephod on, and he began to inquire of God, God, do I go after them? If I go after them, will you deliver them? And God says, go after them, for you shall surely recover all. And then all those mighty men says, David, please forgive us. Man, we were, we were so hurt. We were so wounded. We were thinking betrayal thoughts. But you are a man of God. We saw you strengthening yourself in the Lord your God. When they saw David's, the source of David's strength, and David said, Hey, the source of my strength is, is the same source that you can come and drink from. It's the same source you can come and feed from. It's the same source that'll make you strong. Well, they came and they strengthened himself. And the Bible says to establish him king over Israel according to the word of the Lord. Remember Samuel prophesied that David was going to be king over Israel. I honestly believe that every single human being needs to not just be in a strengthening, in a transformation program, but... All of that is undergirded by a word from God. 
a word from God, that, that you're, you're fulfilling destiny, that you are creating history, that you are, you are leaving a legacy, that you, your life is, is, has a prophetic tone. It has a prophetic ring. It has a prophetic utterance behind it, that this wasn't the idea of Jürgen and Leanne sitting in Australia saying, you know what? I reckon San Diego could be a great place to plant. We'd never been to San Diego, seen San Diego. But our pastor said, I want you to pray about it. Three times we prayed, three times God says go. When we got here, people were like, yeah, I don't know why you're here. We met with one pastor. He's like, people are tired here. They're tired. They don't need more churches. They're already tired. <laughs> I wanted to apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry that they're tired. It's probably my fault. And... But we came, we came to San Diego because of the word of the Lord. God's, God gave us a word. Oh, I want you to build a church that's fresh, real, powerful. First move of God. Don't do this. Don't do this. If you do this, nobody's doing this in San Diego. If you want to build a big church, be like everybody else. Be seeker-friendly. Just try and out-seek all the seeker-friendly churches. And we're like, ah, I can't do that. I, you know, this is who we are. I can't wear Saul's armor. It just doesn't. I just got to be who I am. Just give me my shepherd's pouch. Give me my shepherd's clothes. Then give me five smooth stones. That's all I need. And I think that's all we had, five smooth stones. We had Rachel and his, uh, Andrew and his bride and our three sons. That was our five smooth stones. And uh, we came over and uh, the rest is history, Pastor Andrew. And uh, what God has done in, in that time. But I know it was God. I know it was a word from God. And you got to understand when you're living with according to making the word of God come to pass, the Bible says they strengthen themselves with David in his kingdom to make him king, establishing him over Israel according to the word of the Lord that came through the prophet Samuel. There's nothing greater than living your life according to God's word, according to God's prophetic promises over your life. The greatest commodity that people can entrust into your hand is themselves. The, the highest conf confidence and confidentiality that you and I can exercise is the fact that discipleship is dealing with people's weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And our job is to cover those things. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Doesn't, love doesn't cover one or two sins and then exposes it and casts it out. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love sees the point of weakness and realizes now we got now we found our ground zero and now we can work from here let's be let's be a people that don't put on facades and don't wear masks let's be people that are that are real be you always share up don't share down share up your your weaknesses and vulnerabilities sharing down share your strengths share what you've overcome absolutely say hey church I, you know to some of the people that you're mentoring i was struggling with this but let me tell you how i've overcome but it's your upline that you say man i'm still struggling with this i just i can't seem to lick this thing i can't seem to beat this thing this thing just keeps kicking my you share that one up always share that one up so that the, the people in your upline can say hey well let me pray with you come on let's believe let's fast let's let's you know let's get some prayer on that let's you know let's get some help on that but people are the greatest commodity. And I'm determined that this place will be known as a cave of Adullam. Even, you know, the, you know, as Pastor John would testify, when we began to put together the internship program, the whole desire was to create powerhouse disciples. That was, that was our whole goal. We want you to be like Jashabim, the Hachmanite. We want you to be like Benaiah, who falls into a pit on a snowy day. It's kind of like on, on your lowest day, a day where you're depressed, 
and all of a sudden, grrr, out of the out of the dark come these two yellow eyes, and you realize, oh, can this day get any? The devil always tries to take you out in your pit, in your depression in your down day, in your dark day, in your bad hair day, in the day that you want to give up. That's where the devil is. And I love Benaiah. He doesn't just say, flip and eat me out. What else could go wrong? He pulls out his sword and takes down a lion in a pit on a snowy day, slaughters that thing. And then he's the guy that climbs out of the pit victorious. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. Father, I thank you for the hand of God, the blessing of God, and the power of God. And I thank you, Father, that today our internship and our staff and our church is a cave of Adullam that is creating mighty warrior and warrior princesses. Father, we, uh, Leanne and I rejoice. We rejoice when we hear the testimony one after another of what's happening in Alliance and what's happening in my city and what's happening in colleges and in young adults and in 50s plus and what's happening in South Bay and what's happening in East Campus and what's happening at North and what's happening at Central and and what's happening in the prayer meetings and what's happening you know right throughout our internship and in the finances and in the acquisition of buildings and the raising up of leaders and the amount of miracles and the healings that are taking place each and every week father we rejoice because we know that by ourselves we couldn't accomplish any of that but because you've put in our heart to raise up and champion people to raise up mighty warriors raise up mighty prince and princesses father in your kingdom we know that we're seeing your kingdom advance we're seeing the devil put to flight and we're seeing God being able to to advance and be highly exalted so father bless these people today in Jesus name everybody said amen 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 thanks for listening to find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.